0: Sometimes your children don't do what you want. Sometimes you lose them for a while to drugs. Sometimes you lose them to immorality. Sometimes they just don't go the direction you hoped. And what do you do? You're out of control. You take what you love the most and you trust what you love to God.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire
0: Sometimes it's the personal sacrifices that cost us the most that end up blessing us the best. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today we're continuing our series on the unsung heroes of the Bible with a look at an incredible woman of God named Hannah. You know, it's a repeated theme in the Bible that when we experience the pain of barrenness, God often steps in with an extraordinary act of grace. It was just that way with a woman named Hannah who could not conceive a child, though her heart broke for one. Out of her pain and anguish, she prayed to God with a promise, Give me a child, Lord, and I will give him back to you. Well, God heard that prayer, and Hannah stuck with her part of the bargain, making her one of the great unsung heroines of the Bible. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of today's message, Hannah, Mother of a Champion. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have a lot of scientific understanding, so they looked at a barren woman as being under the curse of God. Now, that wasn't always true. We do read where God closed a womb or opened a womb, where a woman could have children or couldn't have them, but all barrenness was not because of the curse of God, but that's the way it was seen. So Hannah felt like she had a strike against her, a major strike against her with Elkanah. The Bible says that each year Elkanah, Hannah, and Peninnah went up to Shiloh to worship God. And in their worship ritual, there were certain sacrifices that were offered. And when they were done making their sacrifice to God, a portion of the sacrifice was returned to those who had offered it. Now what the family would do when they got this portion of the offering returned to them is they would enjoy a sacrificial feast. Well, because Alcana wanted to assure Hannah that he loved her, even though she had not been able to give him any children, he gave her a double portion of those leftovers. Well, this did not win points with Peninnah, because here they are, it's sacrifice time, and then it's feast time. She gets her portion. All her children get their portion. But then Elkanah walks over to Hannah with double portion, a double portion. And this stirred the pot of jealousy like nobody's business. And in retaliation, Peninnah began to taunt Hannah where it hurt the most. Her barrenness. She would gather her children around and say, Gee, Hannah, I'm so sorry you can't have any children. You know, we both know that Alcena would love to have a child by you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. You just can't have any kids. Children, say hello to Aunt Hannah. Stick, 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 stick. Penina stuck. Hannah prodded her, mocked her. The Bible says that Penina became her adversary and provoked her greatly to the point that Hannah was miserable. What a picture of the devil because you see, all of us have areas in our life where we're barren. Areas in our life where there is a lack. And the enemy comes in when you are barren, when you've got that lack. He comes in like a penina, and he begins to prod you and stick you and harass you and mock you and ridicule you, and even try to cause you to question the reality of God in your life. If God were there, why would you be barren? Why has God left you like this? Why do you have this lack? Why don't you have something in this area of your life? Why are you going without? you. He wants to make you miserable. He wants you to give up. He wants you to faint. He wants you to quit believing and trusting in God. Penina just kept at it and kept at it day by day, week by week, month by month. Well, he said, well, where in the world was Alcana during all this? He was being a typical man. He thought his love and concern for her was more than enough. i got to quote his words to you. What a guy here. He says to his sorrowful wife, Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> what a guy. But he didn't stop there. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? I can almost hear her, Dude, No but I respect you too much. Don't you understand I want a child? Don't you understand I want this reproach taken off of me? Don't you understand that to have a child would make my day, make my year, make my life? Now, I learned a long time ago, and here's the lesson from Hannah, that it's not what happens to you that matters most. It's how you respond to what happens to you that matters most. Now, I'm going to say that again. Please catch this, because listen, unfair things are going to happen to you in life. You're going to have times of barrenness in your life. There are times when life isn't going to give you what you thought it should or thought it would. Sometimes you're going to feel cheated, sold short, coming out on the short end of the stick, and you're going to have to have a response to it. You will respond one way or the other. And it's not what happens to you that matters most. Whether or not you get through it successfully in God and come out on the other side is how you choose to respond to it. So let's consider Hannah's response to these different adversities. Here she is, she's trapped in a terrible situation. She feels like she can't get out. She's married to a good man who made a big mistake. She is being heckled, In her own home, under her own roof, there is another woman, another wife, who is making her life miserable, who is mocking her, ridiculing her on her case all the time, rubbing in her greatest weakness, her greatest heartbreak, reminding her of it every day. How do you respond to that? What do you do with that? When you're in a situation you feel you can't get out, there's no way out, there's no exit door. What do I do? Do I just live in misery to the day that I die? How do I handle this? I want to look at her response first. Here's what she did not do. She could have spiraled into a fit of inconsolable depression, but she did not. She could have begun to numb herself with alcohol, which was plenteous in that day. She did not try to lose herself in a bottle. She could have given up on trying to live a godly life and blame God for all of her trouble. Some people do that. Well, God, if you were real, I would not have this barrenness, so you have not been good to me, so you must not be what I thought, so I'm going to walk away. She did not do that. She didn't blame God. She didn't hold her fist up at God. She didn't go back to her mother and seek solace and comfort. Mom, can I live with you? Nope. She never sought out another relationship for comfort. She went to the only one who could possibly help her, the living God. She turned to God. Now, I want you to see what she did. She did three simple things. And I want you to walk out with this wisdom today. This is the wisdom of Hannah, an unsung hero, this mother who produced a giant in the faith. The first thing she did is she trusted God with her pain. She trusted God with her pain. She didn't trust a bottle with her pain. She didn't trust another man with her pain. She didn't trust self-pity with her pain. She trusted God with her pain. I recently visited a church member in the hospital emergency room, and they were in a lot of pain. And it was just me and this other person in the emergency room waiting for the doctor to come in. And so I was looking around this little area where they keep you, and I noticed hanging on the wall was a chart For measuring a patient's pain. And it had one through ten. And above every number, it had a face with a different expression on it. One had a person smiling, like, I'm okay. By the time you got to ten, they looked like they were about to die. And there was every… all these different levels of facial expressions on the way to the ten. One, I'm barely hurting. Ten, I'm in agony. If you had been able to get Hannah into that emergency room and said, where are you on that chart? She would have said 10. I am in inward agony. I'm a 10. The Bible graphically describes her pain level. First Samuel 1 verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, crying bitterly. Here's another version. Hannah was in distress of soul praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. The Message Bible puts it this way. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried and cried inconsolably. She could not be consoled. This woman had reached her wit's end. It happened on one of those trips to Shiloh. Here's the whole family, Penina, Elkanah, Penina's kids, and Hannah. She gets there, she can't do it another time. She can't go in there and worship like she used to. She's got to have a breakthrough. You know what I'm talking about. You know the way that it feels. Sure, I want to go to church, but my need is so great. I've got to have a breakthrough. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who knows. I don't care what people think. I'm going to break before God and I'm going to cry out, for a breakthrough and I'm going to pray until he gives me an answer. And right there in front of God and everybody, she fell to the ground and she broke and she began to sob and it says she was under such stress and such distress that she did not enunciate her words, but just mumbled with her lips. She was in such pain and the backslidden priest, Eli, was standing there. And he said, woman, you ought not be drinking this early in the morning. She said, I am not drinking. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. I have got to have a son. My heart is broken. Please pray with me. And as the priest, he said, may the Lord give you what you request. He had the authority of a priest, even though he was a backslidden priest, and his two sons were defiling the temple. She received that word. She stood up and she went on with the family ritual and went back home after the worship time was over in Shiloh. She poured out her pain to God. Do you trust God with your pain? Do you really? Do you trust him? David advised us, trust in him at all times, you people. All times. Not sometimes. Not most of the time. Not a few times. Trust him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're going through. He will not be shocked, I promise you. For God is a refuge for us. So she said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Here's my pain. I'm trusting you with my pain. Here it is. I'm giving it to you. But she didn't stop there. She went from there to trusting him with her prayer. And she had a simple prayer, only five words. She said, Lord, give your maidservant a son. Give me a son. That's all I'm asking for. I don't want wealth. I don't want fame. I don't want fortune. I just want a son. This is the heartache of my life. I want a son. Hear me, because I can't take another step, can't go another day. I can't live this way. I can't function this way. This woman is needling me day by day. My home is miserable. You've got to give me a son. You're my only exit door. You're my only way out. You're my only answer. I understand that. She was not asking for a son to gain her husband's favor. She already had that. He loved her. She wasn't asking for a son to flaunt in front of Peninnah. I think I would have, in all honesty. It'd be a great temptation. To say, give me a son so this woman will have to eat warm crow. Let that boy get a little old. Go say hi to Aunt Peninnah. Go say hi. Hug her leg. Just go get in her lap and kiss her on the cheek. Say hello, Aunt. But no, that's not why she prayed. She prayed something very powerful. Give your maid servant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. If you will give me a breakthrough, I will give him to you. We've all prayed that kind of prayer, haven't we? If you'll get me out of jail. If you'll get me out of this trouble. Oh, Lord, I'll give you my life. If you'll do this for me, Lord, I will never, never walk away from you again. If you will just give me this breakthrough, Lord, you got my attention the rest of my days. You better follow up on that because God will come knocking for you to give him what you said. Some people only know a 9 God. That's all they know. Well, I'm in trouble again. and Here I am, Lord. I know I told you before, but here I am again. Now get me out of this again, Lord, and I will. You better start coming through with those I wills because we're going to see in a minute that Hannah did. The reason she wanted a son was so she might give him back to the Lord for lifelong service. She wanted to give God the most precious gift that she could ever think of, a son. And after years of barrenness and years of ridicule and misery, God heard and answered her prayer. Verse 20 says, it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, meaning heard by God heard by God. God heard me. Now watch this. Her first response was to trust God with her pain. Her second response was to trust God with her prayer. But now she moves into a realm that very few ever, ever reach. She trusts God with what she loved. Now let me tell you the great test of faith. It's not if you can trust God with your pain, because we want to get rid of our pain. It's not if we can trust God with our prayer. We trust God with prayers all the time. But when it comes time to trust God with what you love, that's the test because the pain you want to get rid of, but what you love you want to hang on to. According to custom, Hebrew women nursed their children until they were about three years old. When she had been with her little boy three full years, she kept her promise and she surrendered him to God. When the family got all their stuff together for the next trip to Shiloh, their annual visit, Hannah began to do something different. She began to gather all little Samuel's stuff. She began to pack his stuff. She got all of his little toys, his little bed, all the memorabilia that were attached to him, his stuff. She put it all together. Now think about this church. She's remembering, I told God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. He's weaned. It's time Samuel, you're not going to understand all this, but sweetheart, I've got to give you back. She puts it all together. They load up the mules. They go on the journey to Shiloh. Longest trip of her life. It reminds me of Abraham. When Abraham was told by God, take Isaac, your only son of promise, and I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And Abraham obeyed God. He gathered all the stuff, got a servant got Isaac, got wood, got a knife, and began the three-day journey to Moriah with that which he loved, not just his pain. It was no longer his pain. His pain was gone for the joy of Isaac. It wasn't just his prayer. His prayer had arrived. Now he's being asked to take his prayer, the answer to it, and go to Mount Moriah. Long walk, three days, and Isaac didn't make it easy. Dad, what's that wood for? What's that knife for? Why are we going there, Father? And what are you going to do when you're there? God will provide, son. Hannah took Samuel to Shiloh. Abraham took Isaac to Moriah. It reminds me of God the Father carrying his own son, And I believe that's what these two things are meant to point to. When Hannah took Samuel and gave him away and Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him, God was echoing, pointing, foreshadowing what was coming in the new covenant that one day God would carry his son up Calvary's hill. And as he got up to the top of Calvary's hill, God would sacrifice his son for our sins, for my sins and your sins. And that's what these old stories are pointing to and talking about. Listen, you say, well, God didn't take Jesus up that hill, Jesus took Himself. No, no, God so loved the world, He gave, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hannah, the mother of a champion, the unsung hero behind Samuel, handed little Samuel to Eli this great, big, out-of-control, backslidden priest who she knew did not walk with God, but was she trusting Eli? No, she was trusting God with what she loved. And she handed this beautiful little three-year-old boy over to Eli, and I can just imagine, I can just use my imagination and imagine what it was like. Bye, son. I'll miss you. I'll miss you in the morning. I'll miss your voice. It's not going to be the same without you. I'm sure going to miss holding you. I'm going to miss your laugh. But I told God that I would give you to Him. And now I'm going to not only trust Him with my pain and trust Him with my prayer, but I'm trusting Him with what I love more than anything on the face of the earth. I know that my God can be trusted with what I love. He can be trusted. Sometimes your children don't do what you want. Sometimes you lose them for a while to drugs. Sometimes you lose them to immorality. Sometimes they just don't go the direction you hoped. And what do you do? You're out of control. You take what you love the most and you trust what you love to God. Because God is bigger than what they're doing, bigger than where they're going, bigger than the sin in their life. God is able to turn it around. She walked away. She would only see him once a year after that. She trusted him to God. The end of the story is better than the beginning because Hannah's faith was richly rewarded. Her little boy Samuel grew up to become one of the greatest men of God in all the pages of the Old Testament. One day he's sitting in the temple, just young, and a voice: Samuel, he goes running to Eli. What do you want? He said, I didn't call you. You had a dream. Go back. He goes back. Samuel! He goes running to Eli again. Eli, backslidden, no discernment whatsoever, says, You had another dream. Go on back. This time, Samuel! He goes running to Eli and the bulb goes off. He says, Hey, God's talking to you. Go listen to what he has to say. And God told him that Eli's house was going to fall and he was going to be the new priest. And God raised up the mighty Samuel, the anointer of Saul, the anointer of David the conscience of Israel for his entire life, the great man. Do you trust God with your pain? Do you trust God with your prayer? Do you trust God with what you love? Well, have you ever prayed a prayer like Hannah's? One where you promised God that you would respond with one thing if he would do another? Hannah teaches us that if God answers such a prayer, we should definitely follow through and do our part. Because she did just that, Israel was blessed with an amazing man of God and prophet of the Lord. Now don't touch that dial just yet because we've got some exciting things to share with our LifeTalk Talk listeners you're going to want to take advantage of. And thanks again for making Life Talk a part of your day, as well as for your prayers and financial support. Life Talk now reaches into every state in the Union on over 530 radio stations. This is a miracle of God. Only a few short years ago, we were on just one station. And suddenly God began to open doors we didn't even pursue, allowing us to take His Word to tens of thousands of people daily. And you, our listeners, are a part of that. And I encourage you to check out our LifeTalk website and access our large library of podcasts and other things I know will bless you. Just go to lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And join me again next time as we continue with our series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. And I pray that God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire of Turning Point Church and host of Life Talk Radio program. You know, one of the most valuable things I ever did for my ministry was getting my degree. And that's exactly why we launched Reach Bible College and Seminary at Turning Point Church. Whether you've been in ministry for years or just getting started, Reach Bible College and Seminary will help you reach your goals. Our affordable bachelor and master degree programs are designed to incorporate practical ministry alongside a sound theological education. So why wait until you finish your education before starting your ministry? For more information, visit us online at ReachDFW.org. That's ReachDFW.org. You can apply online and enroll for our next semester. That's ReachDFW.org. So step out and be empowered in your ministry today.
1: Hannah, mother of a champion, is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, the unsung heroes of the bible you can
0: own a copy of this 10 cd set for just $50 plus shipping log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111 get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series the unsung heroes of the bible for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111
1: for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111.